With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the RV Today, we are headed to Sydney, Australia, to speak with Dr. Richard Harris. Richard is a top vascular surgeon in Australia, as well as a writer. His debut novel is called Imagine. Richard, welcome to The Relatable Voice. And really wonderful to be with you too, Lucia. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. So you and I both have the travel bug. Mm -hmm. We do indeed, yes. I think I got addicted about the age of 22. My family were little holidays. My dad would take us on these funny little trips around country towns in in Australia, but we weren't rich enough to really travel overseas. That was a thing for our rich cousins who came back from America with their videos of Anaheim and uh, Disneyland. But yeah, by the time I, I, I could escape, I did. And that was a sort of ritual for Australians to get away. And I uh, managed to spend 12 months traveling around Europe, which was just opened my eyes and got me totally addicted to, uh, to seeing the world. You know, I had to marry a, a girl that loved traveling and that's how it worked. And uh, we just made sure that we did lots and lots of it. So yeah, it's amazing, amazing eye-opening thing to see the world and appreciate other cultures and other foods and other ways of thinking. We learn so much when we are able to travel. And you've been to 80 countries? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of cheat, you know, by going to every, you count all the Caribbean countries. But, yeah, no, I have been to a lot of, uh, I have been to 80 countries. And, you know, there's still a, quite a few that I, I haven't been to. I haven't seen a lot of Eastern Europe. Um, I've made it as far as Prague. Uh, but no, I'd love to get through into Russia. I've been within 10 kilometers of Russia up at the top of Norway uh, on a husky sort of uh, trip, uh, which was just amazing, the, the, the north part of Norway. And, and that whole coast is just stunning. So, yeah, that, that was quite an adventure. Um, we got the Hurtigutten ferry down and it goes in and out of the fjords and oh, it's an absolutely stunning trip. Uh, little those little seaside villages of Norway uh, so yeah so much to see in the world so much yeah. you do tend to you do tend to go back to places that you love mm-hmm. that's that's part of it but yeah I have to be more lateral thinking and, and get out to I don't know Alaska I want, I'd love to go to the top of Finland and uh, the northern northern lights lion and igloo and watch the stars and uh-huh. Northern Lights, that would be something amazing to do. But yeah, so many, so many things still to do in life. 
I didn't travel to 80 countries. And I think that's so fabulous. What is your favorite destination so far? Oh, gosh. I think the places that you've got the most beautiful memories, I, I think. I mean, I, I keep going back to Oxford in England. And there's something about that. I lived there for a year and a half. And I had my first child in, in Oxford. And it, even sort of going back to the house that we lived in for that, that period and then walking through the parklands up into the magnificent sandstone university buildings and the, the, par- the gardens of the, of the colleges, it's uh, something special about that. The Cotswolds, just sort of an hour beyond Oxford, one of my favourite places to go back to some, a stunning part of the world. So yeah, I I guess that would that would be up there. There's some beautiful parts of Australia. You, um, you go to Uluru in the central Australia, absolutely incredible place. Very spiritual, very stunning visually. Um, so yeah, it's uh, these these places I guess that sent to you and that bring back memories of great times and great people you've you've been with. Parts of parts of the US are so beautiful as well. Um, I can't say that my experience of Florida was, uh, I mean, we went there with the kids to the, the theme parks. and but So that, I think, a very flawed view of Florida uh, that I've had so far. But part, you know, up in Charleston and I, I love New York and Connecticut and all that part of the world. So many wonderful places to go to. Ireland, yeah. So I haven't really answered your question, have I? There's, there's too much choice. Yeah, and I was reading about the beaches in Australia. I checked one that is Bondi Beach. It looks really beautiful. What is your favorite beach? Ah, well, there you go. So there's 42 beaches in Sydney. That's my my hometown. So you've got a good choice. Bondi is the most famous for sure. But uh, yeah, I'd have to say... Oh, I've got to say Cronulla Beach because that's uh, where I grew up. Um, the, I mean, they're all stunning. They're all stunning. A mm-hmm. beach in Sydney is, is beautiful, fine sand and proper surf waves. And if you sort of game, you, you get out there and uh, even in the sort of cooler months, you can, the water's not too bad and you hop in and you know, have, a, have a bit of a body bash, we call it. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling just to be tumbled. It's a great place to be, the beach. I can't speak for Australia because it's still on my bucket list, but growing up in Rio, the beach was mm. my backyard. So oh, yes. I was going to say uh, Rio, um, I've never been there, but it, it is the last chapter of the, the book. Is set in Rio, and so that that is definitely on my bucket list as well. You know, I had to do a lot of research on Rio. Of course, it's, it looks it looks amazing. So yes, it is. And Richard, you mentioned you come from a family full of musicians and wordsmiths, and even you were a musician as well. So why did you decide to become a surgeon? Oh, geez. Well, I think you. Giving up, uh, you don't give up anything in life. That's my attitude is you hang on to all of these interests and you, you try and I don't think I've ever been the best at anything, um, but I, I tend to be pretty good at what I try. I just love trying things. And so I was always encouraged to try things, try sport, try um, music was just flooded in our family. We had uh, 
my dad was a, a trained conservatorium trumpet player and, and he's been conducting choirs and playing uh, pieces for, for 70 something years. So he's still conducting choirs in his eighties. Um, so it, it's just in our genes to, to love music, but in terms of vascular surgery, I, I guess I wanted a, a, a profession that combined some sort of academic challenge with complete immersion in people uh, interaction. So you've got, uh, you've got great responsibility with people and great opportunity to, to be with people and to help people in medicine. And it really has proven to be what I imagined uh, to be a very, you know, giving and satisfying profession. So from an intellectual point of view, but also using my hands. So you kind of decide whether you're going to be a general practitioner or a physician where you're wandering around pontificating all day, or, or you can be a, a surgeon where you're actually doing something to people and then getting almost an instant gratification that you're fixing, fixing them and helping them so quickly. So yeah, the, the next day their appendicitis is gone and they, they can go home and they can be happy and live their life. So there's, yeah, there's been great satisfaction in, in that profession. So it was a good, a good career choice. It was, it does tend to overwhelm you though with those other interests. So it's very hard to be a, a stay in my, in your brother's rock band. My brother's still playing semi-professionally. He's a teacher, but he's in about three bands and he loves it. So I go and watch him play now and, and I'm a little bit jealous, but it's just wonderful to see him up there playing the bass and having the, the most fantastic time. And I kind of dream of being back up there. But when I was 20 something, I was, I was uh, playing the lead guitar in his, his band and yeah, but life overtakes you and you end up having to concentrate on certain things like family and, and, and your career. So yeah, it's a little bit over, it was a little bit overwhelming, the, the whole vascular surgery stuff and training. I was 39 by the time I qualified. So it took a while, it took a while to get through. So about 15 years of, yeah, or more than that. Yeah, 15 years from the time I finished medicine, I think it was, oh, hang on. No, that can't be right. Yeah, anyway, I was in my late 30s when I finished. <laughs> so yeah, it did take a long time. Yes, and it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. But very, very giving back. Well, it's a, it's a two-way street with people. You have this opportunity of being with people when they're at their most vulnerable and helping them through. And it's, it's I think a good surgeon is somebody who takes in the whole person's, not just concentrating on their tech, on the technical side, but actually takes in the whole person. And um, yeah, that's what I've tried to be. Um, so it's been a massive part of my life. I, and you know, to try and get to back to my other passions in more recent years has been a little bit of a struggle, but I found a way. So it was it was a uh, it was an interesting exercise trying to get disciplined enough to to do both both of my passions, which is writing as well as um, doing what I do, which is you know, operating on people, saving yeah. people's lives, saving people's lives and legs, and yeah, making their Sometimes it's as boring as making their legs um, better looking, like fixing varicose veins. But but even that is a health a health thing as well. So yeah, pretty much it was it was always aiming to, to get people up and heading in the right direction. While still being an extremely successful doctor, you published your first book. It's called Imagine. So what is your inspiration to start writing? 
I've always had a love affair with words. I, I, it's just been a thing with me from early days. I've loved writing poetry from uh, mid-teens and there was a little bit angsty. And uh, But then I, I've, I think I've sort of tended more and more towards the romantic and, and got away from the cynical. So when it came to writing a novel, well, it, it was always going to be about love and all, always going to be uh, have a romantic sense to it. But I also do have a very social opinion, wanting to help society to, to head in the right direction. So picking John Lennon's song as a sort of inspirational point or trying to turn that song and those lyrics into a book was quite a joy, really, and quite an easy thing to be inspired by. So, you know, I, I don't know the exact trigger point, but I've always loved that song. It's been out for 50 years this year. I'm a little bit older than that. So I would have heard it when I was a little kid. And I think it's just been an anthem for the world since then. It's It's been uh, played at some of the most important occasions, just at the Olympics recently was played. And I think a lot of people resonate with it, not just with the words, but also with the melody and the, and the harmonies of the song and the way it's put together. It's absolutely gorgeous song. Um, but the lyrics are radical and the lyrics are based on this concept of radical love. And, uh, you know, if you take it to the nth degree and, and want to turn it into a, a, in the real world, into what he was talking about, it really is a radical manifesto. So I've kind of tried to disguise the radical manifesto in a whole bunch of very easily digestible characters and love love stories that interweave with each other. So the idea is it's like a chorus and verse. There's lots of ocean in it, lots of beaches, lots of lots of waves. It's the the theme of it is harmonies and waves, and and where stories come in and out of the book. Uh, and characters come in and out of the book like a chorus and verse type um, thing. So it's, it's supposed to be just reflective of, of the actual song. Um, and I've got to credit Yo- Yoko Ono too. for She, she got credited five years ago because I, I think she really did contribute enormously to that, to that song apparently, and, it, and she was credited many years after it was published. So, yeah, that's, that was the inspiration, um, a great song. And so I've tried to do it justice, um, imagining a world. How do you get a world to be, you know, according to those lyrics, uh, no countries, that's a pretty radical start, you know, no possessions. I haven't quite gone no possessions because that's actually really hard to imagine, but you can imagine um, much less greed in the world and um, much more equitable equity in the world. And if you're looking at worldwide peace, how do you how do you do that? The only way is to turn people into cooperative, intelligent, uh, caring people. So, uh, how do you do that? So, I had to come up with a way to turn humans into uh, something a bit higher than we are, a little bit more evolved than we than we are. So, a little element of science fiction came into that to uh, figure out a way, a technology that would actually change our the way we think. And this technology gets deployed on Imagine Day and all of a sudden we've got the ability to be cooperative and figure things out on a much more grand democratic scale and decide we don't need armies anymore and we don't need borders anymore and we don't need um, 13,000 times wages for CEOs anymore. And there's a lot to play with. You've got religion, you've got politics, you've got personal relationships. There's so much to explore in a world that that is uh, according to to the song. 
when it comes to it, it, it was an easy one to be inspired by. So your book is all about this subject. The book is kind of based on chapters that are very geographically disparate. So there's I've tackled some of the world's hardest issues, like the Middle East. Um, what happens to the Middle East when when that technology gets deployed? So there's a war going on in Syria. People just all of a sudden at seven o'clock at night when the technology is deployed, put their weapons down, and there's no no reason for them to be fighting anymore. There's it's a, it's a sudden change in the world. President Baldwin, who's a, a, a noma for an, a certain American president, resigned. So the, all the governments of the world resigned that day. And I don't want to give too much away, Lucia, but, um, yeah. So, But basically it's, it's a, kind of a revolution in, in love and a radical approach to what we could do if, if we were that sort of higher more highly evolved so i think the science fiction is a metaphor for our evolution it's and i i don't give up hope as john said there's more than one dreamer around so there's no reason to think we as as a lot of sort of um futurist books or science fiction books they they the technology sometimes comes around or the the ideas sometimes come around so you've got to get it down so people can have a bit of a think about it well, Richard, this book in you seem to exude such positivity. You can really feel your love of life, even though you've experienced an incredibly difficult year with the loss of your beautiful wife. Where do you get such a positive outlook? Yeah, good question. I, the, I think it's just in the genes in my family, I'm a combination of very strange genes. I've, uh, the Lebanese side of me came out in, uh, in, to Australia in the eight, half of me came out in the 1880s to Australia and the Irish. So I've got the Lebanese and Irish, the two sanest races in the world in me, uh, a little bit of English thrown in there as well. But so it's, I think there was, there was just this enormous culture of, of love in our family of, of optimism and, tolerance i mean even though i grew up very strictly uh, particular christian faith a catholic, i was catholic but it was um there was still great tolerance and respect for for every for everybody else's faith there was no dismissal so i think i was lucky that i wasn't grow i didn't grow up in an intolerant um situation but i did find in my 30s that um i wanted to to experience a bit more than just my faith so and i not having totally rejected that that uh concept but but adopting in the ideas and the philosophies and the science that that can be taken up from so many other religions and and other other avenues of research and so i think yeah i think overall there's good evidence that we are more good than bad there's that humans want to help each other and i think it's up to people of goodwill to sort of push that along so give that a little bit of a boost and i think that's pretty much where my mother's like this amazing social butterfly that that just loves everybody and had was almost like the town psychologist she had the amateur psychologist she'd have everybody all my friends and everybody else in the lounge room and and discussing everything and every problem and uh, the whole of her life and 
she's losing her memory a little bit now, but she's still absolutely gorgeous. She she wears all these beautiful rings everywhere and, and bright dresses, and she's just a beautiful, wonderful, loving person. Dad's more of a a nerd, but he's um, he's just a bit of a saint as well. He, he's I just can't fault him in terms of I don't think he's ever done anything cruel to anyone, uh, and he's. He just loves. He's 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 got that musical side. He's not a creative. He's a an organizer of music. So he'll you know he can run a choir or he can um, play music or he can put a should put a show on. But um, he's not the not of the creative um, type. Whereas his his father was a poet and um, absolutely beautiful poet, a lot better than me in terms of poetry. And he, he a lot of his themes are na- nature and um and love so i think i've got that that sort of writing love for words from him my wife was very much a, an absolutely lover of of nature as well she adored animals and pets and horses and farms and countryside and mountains and so that was always an incredibly positive thing in my life as well uh, my kids aren't too bad either i'm pretty proud of both of them they're gorgeous wonderful kids yeah it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, you are surrounded by love. Yes. Yes, very lucky, very lucky. I think, you know, as a surgeon, you are faced with people at, at their most dire uh, times and, and they do need hope. So, yeah, you don't want a, a grumpy surgeon. You want somebody who's going to encourage you and, you know, come on, you can get up and you can do this. I think a lot of, quite a lot of surgeons are a bit optimistic compared to, like some of the ICU specialists are a little bit, oh, you know, this one's not going to do too well, but yeah, we're always going. Oh, come on, we can, we can, we can get through this. So yeah, it's. So um, if I have to have a surgery, vascular surgery, I'll get on a plane and then go to Australia. So I will be able to see Australia and yeah. have an amazing doctor. <laughs> Well, you'll have to be quick, Lucia, because I think I might retire to Spain and, and uh, put my feet up and do a lot more writing. That's that's my my dream. <laughs> so maybe we, we can come to some arrangement. But I don't think the Spanish uh, hospital is going to let me operate in, in a hurry. In the book, I would be able to do that because you'd have all qualifications would be very quickly and easily as, assessed and you, you don't have the borders. So, you know, you, you can be a well-trained uh, physiotherapist from Nigeria and and quickly work in in Spain or Australia. 
Um, and there's this enormous cultural exchange in the book, the idea of, of, of that free flow of ideas. So Mexico, where there's, you know, not fantastic education, you'd get the Finnish and the Estonian educators down there straight away to, to give all the ideas to fix up the education system. And there's so many obvious things to fix in the world, you know. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, the Middle East is a wonderful place to, to start with problems, but then you can pick on things like Alabama and race relations and, and crime and China and the Uyghurs. There's a, I quite like my chapter about China with the, uh, the story of the, the Uyghur family that uh, gets knocked on the door by the, by the Chinese uh, state security people. And yeah, it's, it's a frightening chapter, but it also because we've got the optimism, it ends in, a, in, in some good stuff. So, as I can understand, your book is set in many different countries. Yeah, many many different countries and also different time frames. So, it could be um, a week before. It's all in the references I-Day. So, when I-Day happens, uh, that's a particular day in the life of the world. And so, some of the chapters might be five days before. And so you might have a whole lot of bad stuff going on, but then when, when it hits, you suddenly see these incredible changes. Um, yeah, there's there's chapters in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a, that needs a, a a real sprucing cleaning up. I mean, a lot of American cities do. Um, there's a chapter in Australia, but Australia's not too bad. I mean, we've got we're featuring in in that book uh, the beaches and the and the center. The thing that Australia has to, to come to grips with is its um, relationship to the Indigenous people. We have so much to learn from the Indigenous people. We haven't come to even started to come to terms. It might take another hundred years unless we have an eye day. But, it, you know, to actually respect the land and to respect the people that were living here and, and to understand their culture, and even, even on the ba most basic level, we, we have no real grasp of what they've got to offer. I think other, maybe Canadians are a little bit more advanced in that and, and to, to appreciate the Indigenous cultures a little bit. But we've got a long way to go in Australia. Yeah, so there's Afghanistan. It starts in Afghanistan, um, which is pretty relevant at the moment. And, you know, that, that would be an amazing place to go and visit if you, if you didn't have uh, the current, current issues of the last 2,000 years. But... Uh, well, you know, people did go and visit Afghanistan in the Khyber Pass in the 1950s, and, and there's people I've met that have had fantastic trips around there. But, yeah, I wouldn't be going there now in a hurry. But in the book, in the book, you can go and go skiing and you can go um, on beautiful trips through the countryside and see where Alexander the Great sort of had his, had his uh, civilization. And it's, it would be an incredible place to go. It's full of possibilities, I think, and uh, I, th I don't think we should ever give up hope on on the world and and us. I think we will keep evolving. Yes, Richard, I wish that politicians would read your book. I would love for some of the ideas to to take hold and be real real politics. Uh, how you do that, I, you know, how you would implement things would be really interesting to see in the in our current real world. So one, one of the things in it is that the basic wage is $150,000 a year. So that's the minimum anyone can earn in the world. 
And then the most you can earn is five times that. So if you're a clever physiotherapist author, you might be on five times more than the basic wage. Um, if you're you know, somebody running a, a company maybe, but you can't earn 13,000 times um, that your, your labour. That's, um, I think it's obscene, but yeah, I, that might be something that's reasonably practical, but, you know, I guess there are, there are entrenched interests that are very greedy and um, yeah, how we change that is going to be interesting. I don't know. That's going to be, have you got any ideas, Lucia? It is a complex problem to solve. Um, for example, for me, it's extreme that football players or CEOs make millions of dollars a year, while many blue-collar workers are below the minimum wage. Like, in my opinion, this creates great differences that in many cases I don't think are justified. So to answer your question, one of my wishes is that this big salary gap could be reduced to decrease social disparity. Yes. I mean, one of the chapters is in South Africa, the cheer, and, and that is such a stunning, beautiful country. I mean, the, the, the wildlife is amazing. And the, the richer people are living identically to how I was kind of shocked at how well um, the South African cities are, you know, in, in terms of the lifestyle of the middle class and the, and the upper class. But then on the outskirts of every town, you have these massive ghettos of people living in absolute abject poverty. And that's 25 years after apartheid's finished. And it, it was a bit shocking to me, but I mean, I probably should have researched it more before I went, but, it, but to see it in, in real life was um, pretty scary. So that was fertile ground for, for a chapter in Imagine too. That's a, a lovely love story, but, but it, yeah, you can imagine what you can, you could do in a, in a country like that. Yeah, I can imagine. And I saw that your book has a chapter set in Rio de Janeiro, which is where I'm from. Rio is uh, the, the last chapter, and I, I love it. And it's a really joyful, very romantic s scenario. And it's a scene of there's two conferences, democratic conferences that happen. So all the governments of the world resign, and a new form of democracy happens where you might be on your smartphone and um, it'll come up with either a local issue or a countrywide or a regional issue or a world issue, and you get to vote on it straight away. And, but because you're intelligent and you've thought about it and you've read about it, you can make an informed decision. And so that then goes up. And if you've come up with that idea, you become a champion of that idea. And so the democracy works in a champion of ideas type of thing. So if you're qualified to get rid of all the plastic in the world, then you'll be put forward by your community and then by, by your area and then to the world. So then they come to these conferences and one's in... Um, Bangalore in India and the other ones in Rio and so that's kind of the final chapter where the, the, the real decisions and democracy is, is made in, in these cities but it's more, more a party than anything. And what do you wish your readers take away from your book? Yeah no, I hope they take enjoyment and just the pure joy of reading. I've, one, of, one of the great things about putting a book out is you get to read lots of other books. It just inspires you. You get involved in the whole world of books again. And I've just loved that. And 
been reading all sorts of books this year. I've read more books this year than I have for, for a long time. And so what I'm hoping is that it's it's entertaining, it's it's makes them think they but it's I hope that that the thinking bit is not so hard because they're just reading the stories and getting into the characters and saying, oh, I'd really like to know more about that, or I would love to live in that world. So if, if anyone, a lot of people have said that to me, oh, I want, I want to live in that world. That's that's kind of an incredible feedback and an incredible joy to get that back. It's an amazing thing to come from one, one brain and then many hundreds of people, or hopefully thousands of people one day, will read it and get something out of it. It's it's just a joy and a, an incredible process, a real privilege to have people read your words and, and have have them stimulated by them, have them entertained by it. So it's a, it's a great thing. And where can our listeners find your book, Imagine, and also you? Best way to probably start with is the, my website, which is richardaharris.com. Uh, in terms of getting the book, uh, if you Google Imagine a Novel you'll, uh, by Richard A. Harris, you'll find it pretty easily. Um, and it's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all the usual places. If, uh, I'd love to think that you could go into a bookstore and just a good bookstore and they'll get hold of it for you. I, I think that's they're my favourite places to be and I, I love seeing it in bookstores. It's in some of my local bookstores now and it's a, a great feeling to know that it's around and people are getting it. So, yeah, uh, but, yeah, that's they're the main ways, yeah. I'm on Instagram, in Imagine a Novel. You can follow my personal Instagram, uh, Rich Harris, too, and I'm on Twitter, too. I've got uh, got quite a few followers on Twitter because I write lots of funny little amusing things, and I've been saying funny little amusing things for about 12 years now. And So people seem to to, to like what I, the crazy stuff I come up, up with on Twitter. So that's Rich Harris, too, as well, same as the Instagram one. Richard, you wrote a great, great novel, and you talk about peace, you talk about love, and I hope we somehow can find peace. I, I'm totally with you. It's such an important thing to find those moments. I mean, if you know, if it could be on a world scale that would be just magical. I, I, I certainly dream about it and, and lots of people do. And I think that's, that's something to aim for. Personal peace, yes, and world peace, yes. Thank you, Richard, very, very much for your time here with us. And I wish you all the best. It's wonderful to be with you and, and so lovely to talk to you and so lovely to see you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.